Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Thanks, Morris. I am Marie, the SLP, and on today's episode, we have an OT. Uh, We have an occupational therapist, my friend Sydney, who I met via the wonderful Insta universe, is here to talk all about her role as an occupational therapist, but also, and very excitingly, she's going to talk, is that a word, excitingly? She's going to talk about her big move to New York City and how she did that, started her new job as an occupational therapist in the world of telehealth, and turn 25 all in one week. Um, Sydney is so inspirational to me for that and for many more reasons. She's such a positive just person to get to connect with on social media and now get to collaborate with on podcasts. She also has her own podcast, Grow With It. And so we are doing kind of a double episode. So if you want to go listen to her latest episode, you'll find me on there. Um, And we're just kind of extending the conversation that we're having on this episode. So there'll be some more details in there, um, maybe a little bit of different stories and different perspectives. But for the most part, I'm just super excited to get to talk to her. Finally, we've been planning this for a little while. All right, let's chat with Sydney. Hi, Sydney. <laughs> Hello. It's so nice to like meet while well, virtually meet. <laughs> I know. This has been, I, well, I feel like we've been looking to get forward to it together for like a month now, which has been exciting to look forward to. I know. I'm so glad that I came across your page on Instagram and I was just like, oh, she's a speech pathologist and I'm an occupational therapist. Mm-hmm. I know. You're actually, well, not my first like other service provider, but you're my first occupational therapist on the podcast. So that's really cool. Um, no pressure. <laughs> right? exactly. No, because well, it was funny because when I first created this podcast, I was like, I want it to be, obviously it's speech, a lot of speech related stuff, but it's also just life related stuff. But a big part of what I feel like makes speech pathologists successful is having those good relationships with our occupational therapists and our psychologists and stuff. So when we connected, I was like, oh my gosh, how perfect. Cause I, I want to say, I don't, I don't remember how I came across your page now, but I did. And I think I liked, I was like, oh, she's so awesome. And then I realized you were also an occupational therapist. I was like, oh, how cool. Like, yeah, I love that. And I feel like we have very similar style. I think that's another thing I really liked about your page. Yeah. Oh, she's so cute and fun and pediatrics. Yes. We like the little ones. So, so it's just fun to connect that way, but you and your big inspirational moves that you're doing, (laughs) um, just, just landed yourself in New York, which is so cool. I want to know all the things about it, but um, I guess we just start from like what what pushed you to move because you went from Virginia to New York, right? So what just how did that start? So I've always wanted to move to New York City. It was something like the first time I visited when I was younger. So I think I was like 13 and I took a trip with my mom and my mom's sister, so my aunt, and then my cousin, who's also the same age as me. And we came to the city, obviously. We went to Times Square and did all the touristy things. And ever since then, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to live here one day. And I kept saying it over and over, but I think that my mom was like, oh, it's just a phase. Like eventually, you know, I'll get grow out of it and not really want to live here. But I was so serious. And Even when I went to um, undergrad and grad school, I was like, I will end up in New York someday. Well, 
then everything happened with um, COVID-19 and I was planning to originally move around March, April, but then I couldn't, I couldn't even take my exam for OT until May. So that got pushed back as well. And I was like, my mom was like, well, you could stay here and work remotely because right now I'm doing teletherapy or you could just go ahead and move. And that's when I was like, well, I wanted to do this forever. There's honestly no better time than now. I don't want to keep putting my life on hold. So I'm just going to bite the bullet and do it. And that's what I did. And that's how I ended up here, really. <laughs> I love that. And you, I listened to your podcast like the minute you moved because I was just like, I am just so inspired by that. And you put out a podcast like after your first weekend out there, I think, or something, right? And yeah. um, I listened to it and just like, just hearing about like how you were just, just so like, I'm, I'm doing this. Like, you know, it's just, and you talked about it it's kind of something to keep you motivated and keep your, you know, get you in those routines that are really healthy and um, things like that was just like, it was just so cool. Cause I'm not a huge, like I like to take risks, but I'm also very like, I just take a long time to weigh out pros and cons, right. and stuff, which is good. But I think sometimes um, even I could be like, you know, just maybe say yes to a little bit more. Um, so it was just really inspiring because I was like, oh, look at her go. That's so awesome and so exciting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like a lot of people are the same way. And sometimes, you know, taking risks isn't necessarily my forte. But I feel like since this had been something I wanted to do for yeah. a while, it was more so like you can keep waiting and waiting and waiting or you can just do it. Yeah. And I, maybe it's more so like when you know you want to do something, maybe not yes. necessarily, maybe risk wasn't like quite the thing I, <laughs> like quite the word I was looking for, but it's just like that, uh, the hesitancy, I guess yes. of it. And like the fact that you were like given kind of a physical like restriction with COVID and everything, like to basically you were given like the right of way. And a lot of us in so many ways have been right where we're like kind of given this opportunity in some ways to just be like, okay, I'm just going to kick back, you know, not rush anything. But if there's something you want to do, it kind of shows you like you, you got to just do it. Like regardless sometimes of what might seem like a really big barrier, because like for you, I mean, it seems like, you know, you've, you've just been able to, um, in, in such a short time, like just, I don't know, enjoy what, like all the changes that have come and Right. And I definitely agree with that. I think that what I tried to do before I moved here was create connections. <laughs> That's so yeah. smart. Yeah, just like via social media. And then like, I obviously had a few friends that already live here. Um, but obviously with COVID going on, you have to be very careful. And we're still wearing our masks yeah. and that. But I just wanted, I, I knew also having my dog with me was going to be very helpful. Yeah. And living in the park, like I just find things I feel like all the time to keep myself busy. Um, and then working, obviously that too. And I just enjoy being in the city, just even if I'm just walking around or going grocery shopping, being out and about is something that I like to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I love, love it. it. Yeah. No. <laughs> so awesome. Um, how long before you started your job, did you move? Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> one thing 
So I started my job and this was on me because I was very stressed. The week that I did move to the city, I was super stressed because I started my job the week before I moved. Oh, (laughs) the new grad and doing um, therapy via virtual, you know, virtually, it was definitely hard. And maybe I should have tried to like, wait a little bit or like figure out like, you know, start the job first, and then maybe work a few weeks that might have been more ideal. It all worked out. But um, it was definitely difficult because I was staying at my friend's house um, the week before I moved to the city and I was, I just started working. I was doing a bunch of trainings online. I was getting like more kiddos on my caseload and things like that. So I started the week before and then I moved on a Friday. So I had Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I guess it was kind of, kind of like, thankfully, I didn't have a lot of kids on my caseload. So that Monday, I still had time to get like organized and get my life together a little bit more before really starting to um, do sessions. Yeah. So that's kind of helpful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. (laughs) I'm just like, my mind is is boom, but I, it's like, it's just so, it proves you, it's like, no matter, I mean, yes, things get stressful sometimes, and we get thrown into situations, and like, I think a lot of us are feeling it right now with, you know, I know with me, like a lot of teachers I work with, and other speech pathologists that are getting ready to go back to work, we're just like, we feel like we're, you know, we were, we keep getting thrown curveballs, and, and things get overwhelming, but you just have to, you know, you just have to have that, like, light at the end of the tunnel of just you yourself being like, it's going to be okay. (laughs) Exactly what I had to do. You're 100% right. Because I still, I mean, even now I'm still not a hundred percent. Like I don't have a lot of kids on my caseload. I would prefer to have more, but I'm like, okay, like it's getting better. Like each week I get more kids on my caseload. Things be fine. It's going to work out. Like everything's going to be fine. Just try to um, enjoy the city and yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's awesome. And now, so you graduated like recently then, right? I did. I okay. graduated December, 2019. Okay. Yes. So, um, I went to Radford university. It, so the school I actually went to was Jefferson college of health sciences, but they ended up merging, fun fact, with my undergraduate school. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up graduating again from Radford University. Oh, how cool. <laughs> <laughs> right? I was like, okay, interesting. Didn't know that was going to happen, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so bef- so you graduated and it was before like COVID hit the fan, I guess. <laughs> So you kind of, so you got like, cause I know for like a lot of speech pathologists right now, since that's, you know, my, my bubble, my world, um, you know, I talked to a lot of, uh, upcoming speech pathologists who want to, they're going to start looking for jobs, but their programs, you know, they didn't get like to, to end their programs the same way that some of us did when we graduated with whatever, you know, um, externships or anything like that. Cause they couldn't be in contact with clients and stuff. So right. it was just a very different thing. Um, and now I know the job searching is, is a little bit difficult. Um, or it's, 
I don't know. Some people are having some success because teletherapy is like, it's still a thing. Yeah. For me, I would agree that it is difficult. Like there were 20 uh, people in my class and Mm -hmm. only like four of us have jobs right now. Um, as of, it's just difficult at this time, you know, yeah. you can something teletherapy. There's a lot of that. So early intervention, I see a lot of that. And then I see a lot of home health, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's preference. Do you want to risk going into someone's home with COVID going on? You just have to decide and make the decision for yourself. Okay. And then some skilled nursing facilities out there for OT anyway. Um, so it is hard definitely right now. Um, to find a job. <laughs> it is. No, my heart just goes out to all you and everybody that, you know, it kind of had to deal with this in a different way. Um, I think it's obviously already a nerve wracking experience, like finding your first job after grad school. Well, and see, so I actually had, I don't think I told you this. I had something else lined up. So, oh. yeah. So my level two field work, um, one of them was an outpatient Peds facility, and then the other one was uh, it was like a skilled nursing facility slash assisted living slash home care type of situation. And the company was Fox Rehab, and um, I think that they have SLPs too. But <laughs> it was Fox Rehab, so I had an offer from Fox originally for New York, and they didn't take it away, but it had to be pushed back. So I just decided to try to look for something else. And I still have been in contact with them because what I'm doing right now is kind of like part-time and just with different agencies. So obviously in the long run, uh, the goal would be to have something full-time. Okay. That, yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, don't need anything yet because I'm still on my, mom's insurance but <laughs> love it love it <laughs> makes it so much easier <laughs> exactly oh man but but yeah no that's um that's definitely important so is that job that would be adults so that would be adults okay. yes it would be more so like home care mm-hmm. um they also do a mentorship program for three months so me thinking oh I'm going to go into something with a mentorship program. Like, yeah. I'm and then doing a 180 and going into teletherapy where I'm literally on my own was very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So he, now I'm like, I have all these questions. I should probably write them down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Cause now I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, and I did want to talk about this. So, um, you know, just thinking about there's, there's so many difference, like subtle differences, like, yeah, like obviously occupational therapists and SLPs do different things, but you know, I sit, I like when I sit with my occupational therapist and IEP meetings and stuff, and we're talking about, um, like there's so much we can work together on, but I don't know like what the schooling is like. So do you guys have to, so for like speech pathologists in the United States, um, we, graduate with our master's and then we have to complete our first like clinical fellowship year which I guess would be kind of like a mentorship right where we're like supervised for that full year complete so many hours and then we get our like full uh whatever certificate yes so 
for us, I do have um, a few SLP friends as well. And I think that, um, so the way it works for OT versus you guys is we do, and see each program is kind of different. So my program did two level two field works at the end of the two and a half years. Some programs for OT do uh, one level two field work after, I guess, like a couple of uh, terms. And okay. then they do the last one at the end. It, it's just mine didn't do it that way. Mm-hmm. So I had finished all of my classes and then I did six months of like nothing but clinicals. But see, for ours, the difference is you guys, you guys get paid, right? For your externship. Yeah. Or well, for our, yeah, for our first year of work, okay. not, not for like our, cause we do have to do, but again, like you said, every program is different. So like for my program, it was, we had to do an internship or an externship, I guess, at a hospital, um, in the middle of our program. So we did one year, then we did our, in, our hospital externship, then our last semester of our entire program. So our last part of our two years we were doing our externship in the schools um, for a whole like semester. And then after that, then we can apply for our first job, but that is a clinical fellowship where we're still being supervised. So we have to get hired, ask for a supervisor. <laughs> like, oh, Yeah. Okay. So we are that clinical fellowship. We are like full-time employees for them. I mean, depending on what you're, where you get hired because right. that's a whole different right. beast. But so um, including the clinical fellowship that you guys have at the end, um, how long are you guys in school? Like, is that still considered school? No, like oh. I'm already graduated. My program is, so it's what it is, is like, it's under the American speech and hearing association. So you can't, and, and your state, um, your license, it's two things. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you have to get so many hours of supervision and then get signed off by that supervisor at the end of that first year of work in order to be clinically competent is what it is. So when you see SLPs, we have that like, you know, long name where it's like, I'll, I'll sign my name, like Marie MS CCC SLP, <laughs> those C's, those three C's, that's your certificate of clinical competence. Um, you know, it's, I always joke. I'm like, I worked so hard to have a longer name. <laughs> But that's what that means. It's like I completed my clinical fellowship year. <laughs> that makes sense. Yes. yes. Okay. So, yeah, we don't have um, the clinical fellowship. Okay. You fellowships for occupational therapy. Got I, it. I people do that. I don't think that it's as common, but you can do that. Okay. So, you are two, uh, we call them level twos, so like clinical hours. And each one of those are three months long. Then we graduate and then we're just off to pass our boards and get a job. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Yeah. See, and that's, there's just those little, like, you know, we're, we are, we're trained differently, I guess. <laughs> um, but it's, it's always just so interesting to me. I don't know. <laughs> it, and like, and like you said though, every program is different. So what I explain the only part that I'm explaining that's probably the same for every SLP in America is that last, that clinical fellowship year that you need. But if you do it in the schools, like it's a different amount of time if you do it, you know, so 
It's just, okay. you just have to trust your supervisor. Cause I was like, tell me, tell me what to sign. <laughs> tell me what I'm supposed to do. Yes. I yeah. totally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, oh Goodness. gosh. Um, so did you like, did you still, were you like interested in working with peds when you? Okay. So funny thing is when I went into OT school, peds, is like the only thing I was interested in working with. So it was interesting uh, for me to, when I finished school, have an offer from like a geriatrics placement. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take this. But I really still, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, hmm, like I love the kid. I still wanted to work with them. It's just that the opportunity arose. And I was like, I feel like this is a good opportunity. So maybe I should do it. And I like the fact that they did mentorship when we were done. Yeah. So, well, maybe I'll do that. Um, and I didn't, and I don't dislike, uh, geriatrics. I do like the geriatrics population. I just feel like I've always worked with the kiddos. Yeah. I am that and been a camp counselor and just like different things like that. So I just prefer to work with the little ones and then everything with that kind of was pushed back. And here I am with the kiddos again. Right? It came full circle. (laughs) I was like, okay, wait a second. Maybe this is where things were supposed to go. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. It's kind of interesting when you think about that because you're like, I actually um, sat down one day to record a podcast about why I got into the field because I get asked that a lot. And I'm like, well, let me just do a podcast about it because why not? And then I had to, I started talking. I was like, I got to write this out first. So I was like writing and remembering, like, I, I originally wanted to be a biology major. Um, and my whole reason, like, this is like from seventh grade on, I knew I wanted to study or I wanted to be a scientist because I wanted to uh, make miracles happen. Wait, that is so <laughs> yes, I like, well well it's funny because I I remember being and then like as I like learned about the different kinds of science and biology and what it might mean to you know go into cancer research and things like that um I realized I wanted to like go down I forget I think it was like molecular biology I don't know actually don't I don't remember because when I, I when I stumbled across the world of speech language pathology um and fell in love with working with kids and special kids with special needs and things like that. Um, I realized, oh my gosh, like I really have a, I just had like a knack for sitting and, and helping them communicate even just as like a volunteer in a special needs classroom. Um, or I just really enjoyed it. Like I, I liked sitting down and just sitting with them if that's what they needed. Um, and somebody kind of said, you would make a good speech pathologist. And I didn't know what that was. And then um, as I like got into it, I like really was like, oh my gosh, like I just felt drawn to this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. So I changed my mind and went down that road. And then when I sat down to write this blog post, you know, however many years later, I realized like, oh my gosh, I still get to make miracles happen. <laughs> Every day. Yeah, like every time a kid says no, it's a miracle. Oh my goodness. But I love it. Yeah, so it's just so cool because I'm like, you know, it but it just to think about it like, oh, I like came full circle. Like, I don't know. I ended exactly. up 
I just wanted to do something meaningful. I think that was my whole goal, right? So. Yes, I totally understand. <laughs> yeah, so no, but I mean, it's funny because I didn't know I wanted to work with preschoolers or early intervention. I knew I wanted to work with elementary. So kind of like you where it's like I knew I wanted to work with kids, but I kind of sh- – you get these cool opportunities in school, I feel like, where you get to learn, like, what you like. And I don't know. It's it's so cool to, to get to experience those things in both our programs, I think, because there's such a range of what we can do. Oh, yeah. I totally agree with that. And see, so for me, I started off as a psychology major. Okay. and. My mom was like, why don't you just go in and like undeclared? And I was like, no, psychology is what I want to do. I'm going to go in and that's going to be my major. Well, I got into it and I was like, there's too much science. <laughs> like, well, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know about this. So then I switched to um, education. I was like, I'll be a teacher. And then I got into those classes and I was like, I don't know if I want to teach like 20 students like I feel like I want to be one-on-one yeah (laughs) yeah so and then I I cheered in college and one of the girls that I cheered with she was a social worker I mean social work major and she was like maybe you should do social work and like help foster care things like that and I was like okay like I'll look into it well that's what I ended up switching to and I stuck with it undergrad and I liked it, but I still wasn't like, eh, like it just wasn't my favorite thing, but I, I did enjoy the major and like the people that I met through it, the community. Yeah. Well, these other girls that I cheered with, they were above me and um, they were in grad school or about to go to grad school for occupational therapy. And they were like, why don't you look into OT? And I was like, I don't even know if that is. Right. <laughs> and so... Uh, It was like, I remember it was winter break and I went and shadowed at an outpatient pediatric facility in my hometown and I fell in love and I was like, this is exactly what I could see myself doing for the rest of my life. Yeah. It just kind of meshed up like all the prereqs I needed. I'd already been taking for social work. So it worked out where I didn't have to, you know, go to school any longer or anything. I still graduated on time and I just added in a few more credit hours um, throughout to get to what I needed for OT in the end. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I always like, I know college isn't for everybody, but I always advocate that when people are there, like you just stay open-minded because it um, like my sister's like, like the ultimate example, she went in to be a vet and is now going to graduate to be a chef. So, (laughs) but she, you know, and she um, is one where she was kind of like you, where she was like, nope, I'm, I'm going to be a vet. Like, don't question me because, you know, I remember my mom being like, you have so many interests. Are you sure? Um, And she was like, nope. (laughs) And sure enough, (laughs) but um, yeah. So, but she, you know, you just got to be open-minded because she realized that like you, like there's, there's, there's a lot more I don't necessarily like about 
the field than I do. Like she loves working with animals, but all of the science and all, you know, just all the aspects of being a vet weren't for her. Um, it was too heartbreaking for her or things like that. And, um, yeah, so, but. And that with social work, I felt like it was so heartbreaking. So I, and that's another thing that kind of worked out. We had to do a, it was like an internship at the end of my undergrad for social work. And I just so happened to be in a skilled nursing facility so I could get some hours when I didn't have anything going on social work wise, I could get hours for OT and go hang out in the therapy gym. Yeah, I did. (laughs) So that was really nice too. Yeah. Oh, I love those OT therapy gyms. Like (laughs) we can't, we can't have, it's so funny. So my, um, our districts lead OT and I, we just like, we just get along. Like, I don't know what it is. It's just like, we just get, you know, you just get each other. And, um, I get, so I, I'll call her up for anything. Um, and, uh, we were trying to get a, well, I kept calling, calling it a sensory room. You're, they're not called, sen- okay, in school districts, anybody listening, do not call a calming environment a sensory room because that puts a medical label on it. Ah. And so I kept calling it a sensory room. I was like, you know, calling my OT. Okay, so can we put this in the sensory room? She's like, Marie, you need to stop calling it sensory room. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so like all about it. Like I love like, you know, I want, I in my world, I was like every school that has like mod to severe kiddos on their campus needs to have swings and padded, like a padded room. Like they're so great. Um, but we can't. And I mean, we, but you know, we created, um, my principal and our occupational therapist, myself, and then some of the special ed teachers for our preschoolers did create a little area where we could, you know, it was, it's a very school functional calming area for our kids with all of those, things to that we can legally help them meet their sensory needs with but I I had it my way yeah no it's it's really cool you know we've got like a crash pad in there and I love that and I'll take them in there sometimes during therapy and you know because they need some different input or whatever it is and um but yeah I learned that you know you can't call it can't call a sensory room or like a therapy gym it's a a calming area so fun fact Oh, I agree with you. I feel like there needs to be an area in all schools that is something like that. Yeah. And I also love how, you know, we're different, but we're also very similar. SLP, OT, Mm -hmm. like all of the above. Like one of my best friends is a special education teacher and we have so many things. Like we bounce ideas off each other all the time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know that I, I'm like, people are probably tired of hearing it when they listen to my podcast. Maybe not, hopefully not, but I'm so big on collaboration. Like I talk about it because, you know, I work in an inclusion preschool, which is amazing. Um, but I always am like, if we are trying to teach inclusion, how do we expect these kids to learn from, from us if we're not practicing good collaboration? Like, exactly. And like the way that our kids are going to make progress is if we're all on the same page and we're all getting our, like putting our ideas in the pot and talking about them because, you know, like my occupational therapist saved my butt (laughs) one day when she recommended I play um, the specific Mozart song. There's like 
this, well, this whole CD that she gave me, but there's a song. She was like, I think this little guy, it'll like help him, him organize. Like, I don't know how she explained it. You probably know more than me, but she totally explained like, you know, how the music might help him. And she's like, it might not work, but try it at the beginning of your speech session. Just have it on when you walk in the room and see if it regulates him or helps him regulate, you know, cause it just something about everything in his environment seems a little bit crazy. So he, his brain needs a little bit of organization. And I was like, okay. And then I started doing that and it just made the world of difference yes. in my speech sessions. We get so much more done. He, you know, so it's like, if I didn't have that opportunity, like you said, that um, to bounce ideas off of and to actually be open-minded and learn from the people on my team, like. Yeah. yeah. I love that. That's one thing that we would always do during my clinicals. Like they would have us um, as OTs, not just go with OTs, uh, but also go with like SLPs and PTs. So we could see what they do as well. And I learned so much just like from doing that too and seeing just the different aspects of therapy. It was really cool to see that. Yeah. I think that needs to be done. Like, because I think I've learned it the best being like working. But in my grad program, like my actual teachers, I don't think nothing against them. I love my program, but they didn't necessarily like really like drill into us the importance of that collaboration. They, they definitely, you know, talked about the importance of collaborating with each other, with other SLPs or with mainly like the psychologists um, or if we were going into home health, like the social workers and stuff like that. But I didn't really understand it until my medical externship went but that was just at my supervisor's discretion she's like oh yeah go talk to the OT or the PT or whatever but they're really I don't know it was just it was something I wish I was a little bit push push into more yes I definitely agree I feel like my program did a pretty good job of having us do, do that especially like you said though I feel like it was more so with for us, like OTAs, did you guys have anything like, cause you guys have um, assistants as well, right? Yeah. They're called CODAs. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but you guys have, do you guys have those in speech? Yeah. So we have uh, SLPAs or slip. We call them slippers. I've heard in California, that's the only place that calls them slippers. Oh. You know, we Californians in our abbreviations. <laughs> But yeah, they're assistants. Okay, yeah. So it was more so, um, I feel like with our CODAs that they probably said to make sure you're collaborating with, but I definitely agree. I think it's very important to collaborate not only within your field, but within like everyone, even with yeah. the nurses, like we need to know what's going on. <laughs> oh, in the hospital, my, my best friend's a nurse, so I'm so biased, but I'm, I like, I always tell her, I'm like, girl, my nurses were my lifeline. Like they, cause they know everything about the patient and they're just such a wealth of knowledge. And then like, I mean, I think where I was for sure, like our nurses, yeah, we like understood they know their stuff. Like, you know, you go, you go to them for so much. Um, but sometimes I'm like, yeah, nurses, like they need a little bit more, (laughs) they deserve more praise cause they're really just, they're, they're so knowledgeable. And then I would be like, how do you remember this and this and this about this patient? And then all the same details for a different patient. Like I can't remember their names. <laughs> like, I totally feel the same way. I did one of my, so 
my level one field works, we did level ones um, throughout school. So each semester that we were learning about a certain uh, population, we would also do some sort of clinical to go along with it. And so I did one in acute care, so in the hospital. And I remember being with um, my supervisor and she was like, okay, first things first, you want to get in good with the nurses. Yes. <laughs> want them to like you. And I was like, okay, I'll make sure they like me. <laughs> yep. It's so true. It's funny because they say that at the hospital and then in the schools they say, it's, and it's so, I don't know, I just laugh, but it's so true. Um, my first I worked at two sites my first year, like I would Monday, Tuesday, one site and the rest of the week or whatever, but both um, SLPs that I was working with, the first thing they said, you want to get in good with the custodian. Um, because, and it's kind of the, like, they, they do so much. And if there's something that you need, like, I, I don't know, like my custodian now, such he's just a good friend of mine. <laughs> You know, we're Facebook friends. We still talk over summer break. Um, <laughs> but he, you know, he's like, he's just a, such a nice guy and always has a good joke when you need one too. Like, but he, when you need anything, sometimes they're the first person that is going to be able to get it to you. Um, you know, or yeah. Or if like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm about to say. Well, go ahead. <laughs> totally fine. Um, they also have keys, I feel like. Keys oh, yeah. Be, or if you need, like, a space to work, then they probably have the key and can get you in that space. <laughs> that, and that's exactly it. They get you in anywhere. Um, exactly. Them, I mean, it's obviously just to be kind to anybody is my recommendation always. But it's just funny because, it, you know, sometimes – and I've worked with I've worked with some custodians who just are grouchy and um, it's hard to get on their good side. And you're like, did oh. I – did I offend you? You know, I've had that where I'm like, I'm sorry, I just needed help. But um, for the most part, <laughs> so cute. For the most part, they've been, you know, they're just super kind. And, and I don't think they get enough, um, like, recognition. Yeah. Like, oh. I just feel I'm like, there needs to be like a custodian day every week. <laughs> we need to, you know. Yeah idea or like you know we all have um our special months yeah like ot has month speech has month pt has mm -hmm. month there should be a month for custodians yeah a whole month i think they get a day in my district and i'm like mm, that's not enough or no. maybe maybe they get a week but it's still not enough um <laughs> no they're they do a lot and like you said they've got the keys they've got the keys to the kingdom so <laughs> especially in the schools yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And no, they're the best, but, um, I, I think, I don't know. I'm like, we've been taught, we've just been chatting. I feel like we could just keep going, but I definitely, <laughs> I definitely want to. So friends who are listening, if you don't know, I, I mentioned you had a podcast, but, um, Sydney has her own podcast. So we're going to do like kind of, I don't know what you call it, a double, double recording here. Yeah, I don't know what to call that either, but yes, oh we are. <laughs> Podcad, a podcast collab, a podcast switch, um, and I'm going to join her for a conversation on hers, and we'll probably talk about some similar things, probably some different things, <laughs> um, but we'll keep the conversation kind of going. So um, 
I feel like, I feel like, you know, being grateful for your custodians is a good note to end on. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a fun one. And, uh, just, you know, go out there and be grateful for other people that are helping you accomplish all your things. Um, here, we'll end on this. Uh, do you have like, I didn't ask you this, but do you have a fun, like your most fun moment so far in New York, Sydney, that we can have you share really quick? Let's see. So my most fun moment, I've enjoyed all my time here, but I have to say, honestly, like the first weekend that I got here, um, just walking to Central Park on Sunday. It was my birthday that weekend, which I kind of have forgotten about. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was my 25th birthday. And then there was this girl who I now call a friend that I met through Instagram. And we ended up going to Central Park and having a little brunch day and there was music playing. And I was like, oh my goodness, like I live here now. And this is going to be my everyday kind of thing. Like, <laughs> so that's yeah. probably my favorite moment so far. Yeah, I love that. And it, oh, it's such a good memory too for you. Like, yeah. how perfect. So far. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining me on this episode. <laughs> and uh, again, everybody, you could go find me on Sydney's podcast, Grow With It. Um, and I'll make sure I link it in the notes. So, so it's a click away. But. <laughs> for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. This is so fun. I love it. Yeah. So fun to connect. All right, friends. Thanks so much for listening. Sydney, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I am just so grateful to, again, have gotten to talk with you and get to know you a little bit more and just hear all about the wonderful things you're doing as an occupational therapist. I am linking Sydney's podcast and her Instagram handle in the notes, so make sure you check that out. Also, friends, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. I definitely appreciate all of you and all of your feedback. It's so fun to read your comments. It's also so fun to get to know you on Instagram, so when you DM me with suggestions, questions or questions about the podcast, I'm all for it. You can also go to my website, thanksmorris.com, where you can submit a form with any questions or uh, suggestions or requests you have that you want to hear about, or if you want to be on the podcast and nominate yourself or somebody else to be on, you can do that there. But again, over at thanksmorris on Instagram's an option as well. All right, friends, I hope you have a great day and we will talk soon.